the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast to neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of this. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategy for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. This is episode number 159. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about avoiding blind spots in our trade media consumption. That solution you're looking for is likely right around the corner, but how can you see it if it's in your blind spot? I'll talk about that. Then Ed Marks is in the house to share some provocative thinking about marketing's role in healthcare digital transformation. You mean Ed Marks, the author of the book, Healthcare Digital Transformation? Yes, that Ed Marks. This is going to be a lot of fun, and Zane and I have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. It's tough to drop the silos when we don't see the need to break out of them. I'm just going to put this out there. If the trade media that you read or listen to only interview other people in the same role as you, you're missing out on key perspectives that are critical to being successful in your job. If, for example, you've been in marketing leadership at hospitals for 20 years, and all you listen to is media that quotes other hospital marketing leaders, you're developing blind spots. And those blind spots are keeping you from having the well-rounded perspective that you need in order to recover revenue in a world where consumers no longer think, act, or buy in the same ways. You need to actively avoid blind spots in your media consumption in order to see the big picture, to scenario plan what's next, to reimagine, to level up, to lead with empathy, to build consensus, to create shared goals, and to drop the silos. If I can say one thing about your trade media consumption habits, I hope you're finding media that present lots of perspectives. Marketers need to understand what drives revenue and keeps the lights on. IT needs to understand how to engage with consumers. PR needs to understand the capabilities and limitations of the organization's tech stack. I hope you're in the habit of learning from all of them, because guess what? The healthcare of tomorrow looks different. Those leading healthcare into tomorrow not only expect a diversity of thinking, they champion it. I'm 
becoming more convinced that this is one of the things holding us back as an industry. We're not going to overcome the challenges that are holding healthcare back with the same thinking that created those challenges in the first place. I keep coming back to this principle. Think about it this way. Imagine you're the world's biggest tomato fan. You swear by them. You eat them for every meal and you connect with other people about your love for tomatoes. You find tomato recipes on blogs. You listen to tomato aficionados on podcasts. You follow tomato social media influencers. Then one day you decide to ask around to see what other vegetables people like. Then someone introduces you to avocados. The next day you learn about broccoli, then squash and cauliflower and spinach. Pretty soon your diet becomes something brighter, healthier, and more colorful than you would have ever known by sticking with just one food. That solution you're looking for is likely right around the corner, but you won't be able to see it if it's in a blind spot. Start today to look for adjacent media sources that are expanding your universe rather than narrowing it. Then see how your vision changes. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the flow. Zane's good to see you as always. How are you doing? It's good to be here, Jared. I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm a little concerned. It's what's today, April 20th, and it's snowing in Detroit. The weather's going the wrong way, but um, hopefully this pandemic's going the right way, so I'm excited about that. So there's not a whole lot of uh, human-centered design principles we can use to change the weather, it doesn't sound like. <laughs> no, that's out of our control, out of our scope. <laughs> yeah, maybe there is a principle around that, you know, things that are just out of our control that we can't account for, but yeah, Absolutely. yeah, when we're Absolutely. the other, well, then I'm not going to mention to you what the weather is here, because like I said, it always, <laughs> it always comes back to bite me, you know, a couple months from now, well, like a month from now, people are going to be like, you know, hey, tell us what the weather is in Phoenix. I'm going to be like, quiet, you know, <laughs> we're in the window right now where it's it's great to be outdoors and uh, I, I will not complain. I just know it always comes back to bite me when I bring it up. So lucky, yeah. lucky. Yeah. Well, goodness. When we start with our the latest awesome thing that we've come across, we have one, I think, that we've shared. And this was yes. just this week. And I was pretty excited about how it went. We co-hosted our first Clubhouse room. Did it. Yeah, yeah. And, and as far as I know, nobody died. Nobody suffered nope. any major injuries. And nope. uh, and I don't think it cost me a whole lot of money. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to call this a success. It went really well. And you did a great job hosting. And I mean, there's definitely a culture to Clubhouse. The more you're on it, the more you pick up on it. So I think we've already chatted about some ways we can make it flow better and have even more in detailed conversations. So I'm excited about it. And I hope some of our listeners will join us there. And hopefully we can actually get the opportunity to create an actual club and not just host rooms. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe that can be our awesome thing for next week. You know, that we've actually created it as a club. We call this one Healthcare of Tomorrow because we were talking about where hospitals and health systems should go from here and what's the next stage of digital transformation? Where should we be looking? Because there is so much up in the air. And I think that uncertainty, if we can help reduce that a little bit. I, for one, I, I learned a lot about other different things. It was funny how the conversation went. Not We kind of strayed from the digital transformation, quote unquote, portion of things, but we started talking with direct primary care providers. Yep. We yep. talked. We started talking with uh, learning about concierge medicine and in terms of what, yeah, pharmacy, quite a few different things. And uh, you know, I will say, I, I think the common thread here is that the healthcare of tomorrow looks and feels and is experienced very differently. Yes. And so the as we these are all the little dots that we we're trying to connect during our room yesterday, I and. Agree. 
Yeah. And it's one of those things that people could hear just one part of it and be like, wait, I thought you were going to be talking about this and you're talking about that. And my response to that is now is this is exactly why we need to be talking about this. Like um, if anyone's heard this podcast before, you know, we talk about dropping the silos. So Yeah. And what I appreciate yesterday too, is we spent a lot of time talking about middlemen in healthcare. We talked about trust. And frankly, we talked about sort of the the business models that people may not even be aware of that are at play in behind healthcare, which sometimes we don't talk about when we talk about digital transformation, because it's so the digital piece is so public, it's so sexy, but those underlying things also need to shift in addition to the veneer of digital health, if you will, to bring forward true transformation in the health system. So hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, I do. I think discussions like that are really helpful to help us get there. And I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It's being able to understand that. I can tell you for sure, the first time I worked for a provider, I had no concept of the business operations behind it. And the more I learned, the more I understood why decisions were being made and, and how I you know, couldn't just stand there on my soapbox about digital, digital, digital. <laughs> yeah, you know, like right. I need to understand the context of what else was going yes. on with the business decision-making. Yeah. I think I've shared this on here, Jared, like even through COVID, I've had to check myself a little bit because especially being someone so passionate about innovation and digital and blah, blah, blah. COVID has taught me that healthcare is still very manual in person, you know, especially taking care of patients, vaccinating, testing. And sometimes our community, I think, goes a little bit too far and we get too out in the weeds you know, being these digital evangelists or Sherpas and forget call it the bread and butter of healthcare that I think a lot of us need to understand more and understand what levers need to shift to bring forward the world that we envision that's much more focused on digital. No, I like the way you worded that. And that actually kind of leads to when we're talking about the status quo for this episode, we're talking about marketing's role in digital transformation, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And sure. I really, you know, we're framing it this way intentionally because quite often the conversation starts the other way around. How do we do marketing in a digital way? And it's like, yeah. okay, well, what if we, yeah, what if we reframe the question? How does that, where does that lead us? For me, the status quo here is that the conversation that happens at leadership levels in a lot of uh, hospitals and health systems has to do with this question in the way that we just framed opposite. Yeah, how do we do the exact same marketing things in a digital way? And what that doesn't account for is the changes in human behavior. And we're even talking pre-pandemic. The way that, that consumers connected with care, learned about care, chose a provider, chose whether even to see a provider versus other options that are out there. Yeah, it was it was very fragmented. It was it was not a straight journey where, oh, now that I saw that ad, now I'm I have all the information I need in one place to make that choice. And Understanding that that was not a linear journey, I, I think, was an insight that that some leaders had and, and others uh, either didn't have or just didn't quite understand how to act on that because they still saw it as a linear journey or or a you know a common that there were still just certain common touch points for the majority of consumers when they were choosing where their care was. And quite frankly, we put a lot of equity in enterprise traditional health system yep. brands. And he assumed that because of the historic 
patriarchal way that health has that health systems have been there in their communities. Many of them have been in a community for 50 years, 100 years, more than 100 years. And it's just been that pillar of the community that you just mm -hmm. assume all we have to do is tell you, hey, by the way, we treat that thing. Now you're going to come and schedule with yeah. us. Wrong. And it's, yeah. So we've, in, in my mind, I've, I've seen it a lot where we have just over indexed on our brand equity. And yeah. that led us to miss a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I completely agree on the over-indexing on brand, especially when at least my vision for the world is for healthcare is, you know, healthcare in the future will be owned by brands that people touch every day. And so I think I've said this on this podcast before. I love Toomey products, the, um, the luggage carrier, right? And so if Toomey came out with a Toomey came out with a health plan or a hospital, let's say about a hospital, I would give it a swirl, right? Because I believe in that brand. You can't tell me that there's any health system out there that can compete with, call it those consumer brands that we love every day, like the Lululemons, the, the Toomey's, the Amazons of the world who's making their own plan healthcare. And so I think it's... Um, and especially as the industry digitized, where there's less and less separation between industries, I think traditional healthcare brands have a a huge up, up uphill battle to stay relevant. Yeah, for sure. One of the troubles is with this when we don't recognize this and address it is that it really does give us some blind spots here, and we don't see where where digital transformation can lead us. We'll hear a lot of times how we even hear these terms like transformation, disruption, innovation. Yeah. And yeah. we still get a lot of eye rolls at this point because to your point earlier, like sometimes we're over-indexing on this and people are just like, I just got to make it through today. I mean, we are still in this pandemic. Like it's not off the books yet. Thankfully right. things are receding, but you know, we're just exhausted. So that's yeah. you know, the last thing I'm going to worry about is, you know, how to take things to a, to a place where I wasn't sure of anyway. And that part of it that again that just has to do with if we're not sure about where to go if we're not sure about what to do or if it's too complex of a choice we revert back to either the thing that we liked to do the most or the thing we did the most often yeah. and so in our decision making okay well i wasn't too sure about that that tech anyway so i'm just not going to try let's let's just go back to the thing we always had and the opportunity that's sitting here to innovate in front of us all is using our insights about the consumer yep. that come from marketing and that are amplified when marketing and innovation teams work together. Absolutely. That's the best place that the consumer insights can then be. They're amplified, they're polished, they're validated. And then if that level of insight can be taken to the CIO, the CEO, COO, everyone who, who has a piece of digital transformation, then it actually, it plays its role in the way that it should. It Absolutely. Doesn't, yeah, it, it doesn't just sit out there in a committee. I mean, I, I can't tell you, Zane, you know, you know like, <laughs> and, like even recently when I was working for providers and digital was still a, a committee. Yeah. It wasn't like a part of the culture. It was a committee. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're so glad you're here to, you know, to, to help bring us into, you know, into digital. And I'm like, yeah, like even that right yeah. there told me you have no interest in it. <laughs> like you're the when, pet project. And committee work is so dangerous to do any type of innovation or any type of forward thinking because what happens is in the culture of the committee, you end up boiling down any type of solution into the, how do I say this, the most 
things be- you boil down your solution into something that's probably too safe and probably doesn't address what the patient actually wants anymore. Because basically what happens is committees usually operate around consensus. And so you have to dumb yourself down to the person who in that room who is willing to tolerate the least amount of risk or if I'm saying that right. And so I'm sure you've seen it, Jared, where you bring in really cool ideas. We have this insight from our patient. What if we did this? And then all of a sudden when it gets presented to the committee, people say, well, maybe, but what if you just take this off? Don't do it exactly like that. You know, move this around here. And before you know it, we're really just doing what we always did with maybe a different color, right? (laughs) And so that's to me the downfall of innovation by committee or design by committee. And whenever I see provider organizations, you know, boast about their innovation work and say, yeah, we even created innovation committee, that's number one sign that they're not innovative because they should know that committees do not work for this type of work, in my opinion. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's so true. I mean, groupthink is hard. Groupthink, especially when that's the result or the process by which you're tasked with innovating. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's, it's quite antithetical. I mean, and so it's, you know, when we think about, you know, a marketing lens to look at this under, it happens all the time. To me, it's the result of marketing being tied to advertising for so many decades now. I mean, yeah. people always talk about, you know, the Mad Men era. So going on a century now of marketing being associated with advertising. And what that's done is, is digital came along and we said, okay, cool. We're just going to use digital means to advertise. And we're going to still use yeah. the same messages and maybe we'll make them a little shorter. But yeah. it's still going to be the same types of things. We're going to, you know, build up our brand because everyone knows us. And so we barely even have to say anything other than we treat this condition. We have a specialist for that. And the brand messaging still has suffered as a result. But then we've also missed this opportunity to play a bigger part in digital transformation because in my mind, who should absolutely be there involved at the, you know, at the table when the discussions are happening about all the platforms that are tying into the EHR? any patient data that's going in and out for any non-clinical purpose, marketing needs to be there at the table. Marketing needs a seat. They need to be able to explain, okay, we actually need to be talking about reducing friction along this journey. We need to be talking about improving a process and how people are going to be feeling when they do that. Because if we don't think about that, everything ends up being pretty binary. I mean, and I've been, I've been in so many of these meetings. I've been in so many of these discussions where it's the IT team just literally going along a checklist. Okay, like where are we going? You know, where at what stage are we prior to go live? Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing in there like, how do people feel along the way? And then yeah. they ask later, why didn't people do the things we thought they were going to do? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And I think moving forward or looking forward, I think it's going to be very important for marketing teams to maybe instead of thinking of themselves as marketing, but as patient engagement and education. Because what is going to happen is as digital tools become even more and more ubiquitous in traditional health systems and amongst disruptors, somebody is going to need to educate patients and health plan members and everyone else around what these tools are, how to use them, and how they benefit them. So for example, um, you know, we see the Tido care device. Everyone, every provider system I know is looking at launching these in home. It's this really cool Bluetooth-enabled device connects to your phone and ultimately connects to your hospital systems telemedicine channel, if you will. 
And the cool thing about this device is it takes telemedicine beyond just audio and vi video, but includes now, uh, I forget the technical terms, you can look down your, down your throat, in your ear, listen to your heart. And so you can basically now start to do more stuff at home because now you have more diagnostic tools. Problem is, how do you educate people about this tool? You almost have like this doctor's tool now in your home and get people excited about it. And so to me, that's a huge opportunity for marketing teams because as these new tools start to get adopted and, and health systems have them, they aren't going to be tools that if you build them, they'll come. We'll need to be educating people on how you can use this in your life. And then and probably a big thing too is how do you pay for these and what is the ROI on them for you as an individual and as a family unit? And so that's something that I think teams need to be working on right now. 100%. Yeah. I love that. I that's mean, a, yeah, well, that's a great opportunity. And, to like, and like more examples, like think about like Achille Interactive or Paratherapeutics, Digital Therapeutics. Achille, you know, now has a video game that can be prescribed by your doctor. So, you know, tell me, you know, what our health is going to do to now educate parents that, hey, we have a video game that your kid can be using, right? Usually parents are like, I don't want my kids to use video games. I'm done with that. But in my mind, there's going to be such a huge education piece. Say, so, you know what? No, this video game is evidence-based as a research back, it's FDA approved, the same FDA that approves medications. And if your kid uses this, he or she likely won't have, you know, as many issues with, I think they built it for folks that have ADD. And again, like that is such a radical change from traditional medicine. Somebody needs to fill the gap of education and it's likely going to be the marketing team. You know, I think we could probably, you know, if we had enough time, we could probably come up with a thousand examples <laughs> yeah. like that because it, it's true though. When marketing does its job exactly as prescribed, they are the owners of those those insights about consumers. And they're yes. the ones to bring those things to the table of like, hey, just so you know, like, like what's the default choice, you know, tree that's gonna happen here? What's the emotion here at this point? You're a fan of of qualitative research because yeah. that's the data that we can bring to the table. Yep. at least have a discussion around instead of just saying, oh, you guys are just making this process more complicated. This is why yep. we're not going to bring marketing or innovation you know, teams to the table. We're just going to yep. figure this out. And that's the, the line that has blurred because we're talking about digital tools. And so when you have IT saying, hey, that's ours, it's, it's a digital tool. So we automatically own that. Then you've got to have marketing there right back saying, okay, but this doesn't have to be yours or ours. Like it's ours collectively. So let's work on it collectively. Like let's, let's talk about some shared goals with this and not just like brush us off because yep. we have the insights that you're going to come to us with in three months from now and say, why didn't we have better adoption than we, than we thought we would? Yep. hundred percent agree. Again, going back, like we always talk about on this podcast, culture in organizations are going to have to redesign themselves where there's truly integrated and multidisciplinary teams, inclusive of marketing and IT. And if there's a digital team in the middle, working together and own the end-to-end -end journey, if you will, or implementation of any one of these tools. And that's the only way we'll be able to do it well. Right on, man. Well, then let's think about the call to action here. Anything come to mind here? A, a, a quick, maybe not quick, a first step. Somewhere we can go where we can invite leaders to, to take some steps down this way. My thought would be, we've probably talked about it before, but if you don't have a seat at the table, invite yourself to the table and explain why and be prepared to have that conversation. Hey, 
here's the value that marketing can bring. I know this may not always be the case. This might not be the perception, but I'm telling you, here's what we are now. These are the insights we bring. We're not party planners. We're not like pretty thing producers anymore. Like we, we like poster makers. Yeah. We're t-shirts. We'll give you the name of, of a print house to go get your t-shirts. That's not what we do anymore. And that is a very legitimate perception that is still out there and may, and might be for decades, depending on how quickly we can show and demonstrate marketing's digital prowess for lack of a term. So that'd be my thought. Be ready for that conversation. Yeah. You know, for me, especially as someone who doesn't sit in marketing is more on the strategy side. I would love to see from my marketing team, almost a menu of what they could possibly know and tell me where it comes from. So as I'm trying to work with teams to make a strategic decision, I'd love to be able to say, oh, here's all the questions that our marketing team potentially can answer for us. And by the way, just so you know, this is how they get the data and how they think about it. To me, that would be so valuable. Because again, I think your average healthcare leader doesn't fully understand all the insights that marketing teams are sitting on when you count you know, what they can see from, you know, SEO ratings, what they can see from the content management system. If they have some lens into the EMR, what can be known about our patients or or also the CRM, what can be known about our patients through that? And frankly, I'd be a long menu of things, but it'd be so helpful to produce that list, if you will, so that other groups in the organization, as they're doing strategic planning, making decisions, realize that there's this resource out there that they can reach out to and fold it into to planning, just like you would when you'd reach out to either finance or your analytics team and basically see their contribution, their input as just as good as, or just as needed as, or just as significant as finance or analytics. So that's what I would do. Hey, we'll, we'll boil this ocean one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com Subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. My goodness, listeners, I can barely believe this, the opportunity we have to have Ed Marks on the program today. Ed's in the house with us. Ed's the chief digital officer at Tech Mahindra. And prior to that, I mean, my goodness, like, where do we start? He's been blessed to be the CIO in a lot of uh, progressive organizations, everyone from Cleveland Clinic to Texas Health Resources, New York City Health and Hospitals, uh, University Hospitals in Cleveland, I believe. So, Ed, how the heck are you doing? I'm great, Jared. I feel really privileged to be part of the the wrap. In fact, I thought I might have to put together uh, my own healthcare wrap as part of my introduction, but I, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, all of the what you just said is really just a testimony of great teams and organizations that I've been fortunate to serve with. Well, I think that's something that resonates. And, and I uh, I was going to get even to the part to mention the several books you've written, and not even just all on healthcare, but the latest one happens to be Healthcare Digital Transformation. It's the roadmap, people. It is anyone who's been listening to this program, especially for the last few months, knows I've, I've almost turned it into a book club. I've been reading excerpts from it. People are probably like, 
okay, Jared, you didn't write the book like uh, Ed did. So it's it's been a lot of fun just to give people a lot to think about. I I, I imagine the reception of the book has been a, a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you've been getting some some really good reaction to that, I imagine. Yeah, the book has done really, really well. You know, we were fortunate in terms of the timing. That pandemic is unfortunate, no doubt about it. But we were ready to launch around the time that the pandemic became more and more real, you know, maybe February of 2020. And so we were able to stop before it went to production. And then we rewrote it, you know, bringing in to the fabric of it, not just COVID, but pandemic for the future. So we think of it as a pandemic proof book. So hopefully it'll last the test of time. Yeah, that is. That was really cool. It was so timely that that portion of it to be able to actually wrap it in and to say, here's what, here's what organizations have been doing. And that makes sense for, for these parts in the future. So that, that had to be really cool. Oh, cool. So let's uh, break the ice here a little bit in terms of the latest awesome thing you've come across in life. Uh, what, what, what do you have for us today, Ed? Yeah, so this is really clever. And I have to be transparent and say that the reason I know about it is because I get to work with some of the fantastic people that created this out of an agency called Born, B-O-R-N. But they do like 25% of the Fortune 1000 sort of websites, the commerce, the content, the creative aspect. So it's kind of fun to work with these people. And they redesigned the Oreo cookie website. And so my family full of vegans, you know, Oreo is about like the only tasty thing for these vegans. You know, they've they forced me to be vegan with them. And so you can go on there and personalize your Oreo cookie. Like literally you can upload your photo into them. You can determine if it's half fudge, half wafer, a double stuff, triple stuff, whatever you want, you can create an Oreo for yourself. And the same individuals also did Purina. So talk about dog food. And, you know, if you want to buy a bunch of dog food, you normally have to buy the same thing. Like if you get a a package of 24 of some type of dog food, it's all the same, right? It's all uh, puppy chow uh, grain free, but you can personalize it on the Purina website to where you want 10 of grain free and 10 of tuna. And, and so you make your own packaging. So this hyper personalization, Jared, I think about, oh my gosh, that's what we need in healthcare. So those are some cool websites I've come across and used. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, I will be checking that out like as soon as we're <laughs> off the line. <laughs> I love hearing about stuff like that, especially on the Oreo side. Yeah, that'll be a treat in this house. That will be happening. I, I can promise that. So uh, awesome. We were mentioning in kind of our pre-show here that there are, I feel like I could go like 800 different directions here. The couple of places I think I want to focus with you in our brief time have to do with where marketing and culture fit in with digital transformation for healthcare organizations. And I think it's safe to say that that you are above all things, you're an advocate for making progress with the digital transformation in healthcare and helping organizations understand what it is, what they need to do and how to do it. And we do talk a lot about because it's so involved with digital tech, that we, we focus on the IT side first, which I think it makes sense. We, nothing matters if we can't get that part. And then there's this marketing side that, that has kind of come up in, in between. There's the traditional marketing and communications, advertising, engagement. But then there were all these over the last decade, you know, maybe 10, 12, 15 years, you, you first had a website out there, then you added social media, then you added all these other point solutions that are creating engagement with patients and with consumers. 
And if we're not careful, we just have this glut of them, uh, of these point solutions, and, and they're kind of Frankenstein together, and we're calling that a digital experience right. for patients. So talk to us about kind of where we are right now from the marketing portion of digital transformation. Yeah, so I always believe that you have to make marketing your best friend. And I like to think of it like, I'm really into music like you are, Jared, and I think about the success of the Beatles was largely the writing of Lennon and McCartney. So I think about, you know, the relationship between marketing and IT or digital leader needs to be like Lennon and McCartney before Yoko showed up, you know? (laughs) So it's really gotta be tight. Like, you know, sometimes you might write the lyric and I write the music and other times we collaborate on both or one or the other, but we bring it together and it makes this beautiful, beautiful music. And that's the only way to make it work because when it's IT driven or, you know, I represent sort of chief digital officers as well, a little bit of offshoot of IT or completely different depending how you look at it. But in order for that to work, no matter how great your plans are, if you don't have marketing at your side, I think it's going to fail. And I think it's the same with marketing where if you you can be great marketer and, and be beyond sort of that, you know, the old content marketing type brochure where, but if you don't have the ally in the tech side, digital transformation, that's, it'll, it'll only be half-baked. So that relationship is really important. I've, I've been fortunate, you know, one of my friends who I served with at Texas Health named Paul, and then at the Cleveland Clinic, I served with another Paul. Those two were my buddies when it came to digital transformation or trying to move the organization forward. And even in New York City, there was uh, my friend, Joe, and he's one of the, literally one of the first people I connected with because we were implementing a huge digital transformation in New York City. And we knew the only way we would be successful is really to tackle culture and marketing is so critical because that's not only marketing, the brand of the actual digital transformation that you're doing, but it's all the in-house internal communication. So it bridges both the internal and external. And it's really critical that they are as forward thinking as you and vice versa. So it's got to be an equal peer like Lennon McCartney, you know, they both brought strengths, but they were peers. And that's the way it needs to be between marketing and IT. And that really impacts the culture. For sure. That's a great example. As I kind of lean into that, the thought of uh, of any very successful songwriting duo or, or team, they created things together that they could not have created on their own. Yes. And so that's some of the parts is something that if we don't approach marketing and IT in the same way, we're not going to to get that same beautiful music that's, that's right. coming out of that relationship. I imagine that some of that success... I, I imagine you just mentioned some of those colleagues you were fortunate to work with. But I imagine it wasn't just the only thing that made that successful. Both sides still had to put something into that relationship culture-wise yeah. to make that work. Talk us through that. Like, what? How did you approach things to get to a point where you were speaking the same language? Yeah, I think it requires a lot of humility. I always say leadership is humility. So you have to go in and be a really good listener and don't believe that you have all the right answers. So yeah, I had some great experiences because I was with some great teams and organizations, but that doesn't mean that it was going to work in that particular culture that I was coming into. So like if we get really, you know, down to earth, like with Cleveland Clinic, that was a completely different culture than New York City or even Texas Health. So you really had to be respectful of the culture but not necessarily become assimilated into the culture. So what do I mean? So when I first showed up at the Cleveland Clinic, you know, I met with Paul and he was just a couple doors down, which made it very, very convenient. And I just soaked up everything I could from 
where he was headed with the organization from a marketing and branding point of view, what he thought about technology, how he thought it would work best. And I just listened. And even though I necessarily didn't agree with everything, I certainly was in, in major listening mode and developing a relationship. So I know, Jared, this may not be the exact, you know, sort of answers that you think you might hear from me, but it really came down to humility and then developing a relationship. So I always spend more time on the relationship side and, and the listening side because it pays dividends because then you build that relationship and you build trust and then you can bring to the table some of your ideas on digital transformation. So an example would be a CRM. So we realized we didn't really know or who our customers were and we knew we needed a CRM system and they already, we had about five different divisions each going after their own CRM and each were adamant, you know, about their CRM. But Paul and I, we developed this relationship and we really came to respect one another. And even though he wanted to go down a certain road with CRM, he realized, you know what, we should probably do something together. It's not good for the organization to do something differently. So he was really listening to me as well. And we made a decision, you know, that worked for the benefit of the entire organization. So we were, we became pretty much hand in glove and we started talking to each other and giving each other heads up about certain things coming down the road that we didn't want the other to be surprised about. And that really helped change the culture, making it much more collaborative, making it much more enjoyable. And at the end of the day, much more successful for our patients. And, you know, I could go on and on about, about the marketing there. It's not just there. It was at the other places where I served as well. It's really about that humility, developing the relationship, listening, and then not always having to be right. So even if, you know, you thought that it something should be a certain font, I'm just being silly here for a sake of example. You know, I wanted Times Roman, but you wanted something different, but Times Roman was really the best one. I would just give it up because it's not worth it, right? It, it's not worth the relationship. I'd rather lose that smaller battle in order to get the bigger victory for the organization. So it's things like that that really helped, you know, change the culture, make a difference. Let me say one more point because, you know, we were talking about successful songwriting duos. You also have to be competent. So you just can't come up with ideas that are out of the blue and not well thought through. And so you have to be able to be competent and ensure that your team is the same. And so that was also important is establish credibility by not only being a good listener and being humble, but being competent as well and showing you know, that you could execute on plans and you could help or be part of developing strategy. And so it came to the point that I think that in many of these organizations that marketing could have been speaking and you might have thought you were speaking to IT. And I think I was a pretty good brand ambassador on behalf of marketing. So I think it worked well both ways when it's done right. Well, that's a great way when we think about like opportunities to innovate here, because there are there are most certainly plenty of healthcare organizations still in that spot where they're trying to figure out where do they meet, where yeah. do they find some common ground, and they're they're looking at it, at least asking the questions: What are those shared goals between all of us? At the end of the day, we're all saying we want the same things. Yeah, of course we want. Of course we know our our customers. Of course we understand what they want from us, and we're still gonna you know, not change our strategy much because we know. And right. I, I, I think the the number of platforms that are out there kind of uh, 
throws a wrench in that. It's not that simple anymore. There are dozens of platforms, maybe even hundreds, by the time you add up all the, the applications between IT and, and even just the marketing side nowadays. Like there are, we've created all these silos of expertise and now we're trying to kind of Frankenstein that all together and say, yeah, we're, we're really spot on. We know our consumer experience from that. I'm thinking in terms of even uh, figuring out what should those shared goals be between these departments? Where do you go to first and foremost? Where do you think about what types of goals can be shared between these teams? Yeah, so I state the obvious and you just use your own words. And the words that I always have used is, look, we want to move our organization from pockets of brilliance to an enterprise of excellence. So yeah, we do some great things here and there, but it's not even, it's not all the way across. Like I won't name the organization, but we were known for, you know, really good certain type of virtual care, but the rest of the technology stack or breadth of services was horrible. The customer service was terrible. And it's like, I don't want a couple of great, bright, shiny things that people point to and say how great we are when we know, in fact, we really aren't. So we need to move to an enterprise of excellence. And so the only way you can do it, going back to sort of the partnership, is by working closely with your peers and the entire organization. And so, yeah, what are the shared goals? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, and it has to get down, I believe, the more granular, the more clarity you can bring, the more focus, I think, the more success. So again, I'm, I won't name the organization, but I belong to one where there was probably four or five different members of the C-suite who felt they owned patient experience. So, right, that's the latest buzzword. Everyone's about patient experience, as we should be. And everyone felt that they owned it. The CFO felt that they owned it because patients interact with, you know, a front desk, especially pre-COVID and, you know, billing is a big part, registration. They felt they owned patient experience. And in fact, when I was putting together the digital strategy for the organization, I found out through, you know, secondary means that they had brought in consultants to do patient experience on their own. And then you have, you know, patient experience department, perhaps, that has their own vision and idea. And then you have perhaps the medical staff and operations. And, and literally in many organizations, I think if you were to ask who's the leader of digital, you would get a lot of different answers. So it's hard to get clarity. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, Jared, about, you know, every, you know, a thousand different things going on and none of it really coordinated. So someone has to take the lead and working in a collaborative fashion, put together a strategy that's aligned with the organization strategy, but at a level of depth, that there is that clarity. So no one can go off and, you know, to left field, you know, and claim that they didn't know any better. So it's an art form to, again, it goes back to developing the relationships, including everyone, giving up some things that might be important to you for the greater good, and then coming out with a plan that everyone around the table has to agree with. And in fact, that's what we did. A couple of the organizations where I serve is it was a, a hard process to go through and get through. But once we had that level of clarity, it made things much easier. It wasn't perfect by any means. People still want to do their own thing, but it's very helpful to get everyone on the same page, include them in part of the process of developing those goals. And then having shared, we call them OKRs, objectives and key results. Some people might call them KPIs, key performance indicators, but having shared ones. So the only way that I could double the number of lives touched 
was to work with marketing. So that was one of our OKRs, double the number of lives touched. So if, as an example, making up the number here for sake of simplicity, if we reached a million patients a year, we needed to reach 2 million patients in the next three years. So that's double the number of lives touched. If I think of it from the purview of a chief digital officer or chief information officer, it's going to fail. I'm not going to get there. And if I think about it from a COO perspective, well, I can build twice as many hospitals. Is that how I do it? Or if I think about it from a marketing perspective, oh, I need my SEO you know, capabilities enhanced. I need to work on a new branding campaign. No, it's all going to fail. We'll never reach that. But when marketing and I have that together, double the number of lives touched, you bet we start thinking about virtual and let's invest more in branding around virtual care capabilities and so forth. So that hopefully is a practical example of how it would work, including everyone in the development of a plan, coming up with KPIs or OKRs, measurable goals that you're both responsible for achieving. You can't achieve it without the other. That's when you see culture shift and change. And and it benefits at the end of the day. And Jared, I know you feel the same. What we do is really to serve others and we're there to serve our communities and help save people's lives and increase the quality of care and patient safety. And that's how you do it by these type of relationships and specifically marketing and tech working closely together. Yeah. And I think especially right now, we're at this precipice or at this opportunity to take what we've learned from the pandemic and say, yeah, the the, uh, the genie's out of the bottle with opportunities to really create, you know, new hybrid care models that aren't fully virtual and aren't fully right. in person, you know, that they're we're kind of the dawn of this new age, if you will. It's at least the opportunity. I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> I don't know right. how, how fully baked this is going to get, but I see what can happen. And that, that gets me really fired up here because that's what we've been talking about in digital health circles for, yeah, a decade plus, right. Right. probably much longer than that. But, you know, we, we got a better idea over the last 10 or 12 years of what could be. And I see that opportunity for someone like, like a marketing team. I remember feeling, feeling that it was very important to go into any meeting with any representation from an IT team, being able to speak the same language and, and have a level. I'm glad you zeroed in on the competence part because I'd see people go into these meetings and they're intentional, like they weren't even trying to understand what was being said and there'd be data up on a screen and people wouldn't even, they would just be like, ah, oh, that's not my thing. And I'm like, well, I want that to be my thing. Like I, I want to, I want to understand what that is. And I, I need to be able to speak with a level of competence or these guys are just going to like roll their eyes at me. And then they're, the last thing they're going to do is talk to me about a shared goal. So, right. you know, they're the kind of like, Hey, what do I bring to the table in, in these smaller encounters so that we can kind of build up some goodwill and some recognition that, there are some things for us to do together. So I'm glad you zeroed in on that part. Yeah. And the, you know, the other technique as well that I did is partnering externally as well. You know, when we talk about innovation, so we talked about some examples, you know, internally alignment, culture, and I work closely with marketing. You know, we had a relationship with a, a big tech firm like Google. And so rather than marketing, having its own kind of deals going with Google and then us from a tech point of view, we had our own sort of things going and probably somewhere else in the organization had the same. In fact, they did, you know, in the, maybe the research organization or something is working together and bringing together all of our collective IP, our collective spend, and really trying to 
disrupt and advance digital transformation by working with a partner. And because, you know, sometimes it's it's too big of a thing to change on your own within your organization, depending on how, how big your goals are and your vision. So it's, it's worthwhile too to work with partners or bring in outside counsel to help you think through some of these things. So I'm big into partnership all the way around internally, externally. But again, it does take the layer of humility to say, I can't figure it out on my own. I could, but it's probably suboptimal. So let me hear from other experts that have done this in other organizations or seen seen many organizations, you know, both in and outside of healthcare and bringing, bringing best practices to bear. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things that should go unsaid, but we have to keep that in the forefront. We, we just have to keep putting these things up in front of everybody to, to remind them why it's important. And especially when everyone more are working from home than ever right now, including right. On, at health systems. I mean, on these support teams, yeah, we have a lot more working from home. What other opportunities for innovation are you seeing from those you're speaking with or working with or thinking back? What other opportunities should we be looking at right now when it comes to digital transformation? Yeah, I think experience, you know, people are talking about that. Everyone's talking about that now, just like digital transformation and really talking about this new kind of patient and experience. And I talk about it both from a patient, a family experience, as well as a clinician experience. So experience in general, and that's how I sort of define digital transformation on my own. There's no perfect definition. And I always tell people, whatever works for you, you know, in your organization, that's the right definition. For me, it's really wrapped around the word experienced, powered by tech, enabled by design. And I think we're missing a design element. So we talk about experience, which is good. So it's on everyone's agenda at the executive team meetings, but we still look at it from either a tech point of view exclusively, or we look at it again, if I'm the CFO through a finance lens, but we're not really looking at it through human-centered design. Or as my friend, Dr. White from WebMD, he talks about patient centricity and so I think that's sort of what's missing. You know, there is, it's like there's some vendors and I won't name names, but they're engineering focused. Uh, it's all about the engineering, again, going back to technology. And we really need to take a step back and just get more practical. And it's like, hey, what's the design? And what I mean by that is things like workflow. Does that really work in reality? And how do we make it, you know, quote unquote, frictionless and seamless? So opportunities for innovation are all around the experience. And we do that with a really clever digital front door that enhances the experience. We do it with augmented reality, which can enhance an experience. You know, I just give you quick examples because I want to be practical, not just theoretical, but we knew that our patients in our children's hospital, it was no fun to get chemo. It's no fun as an adult to get chemo. And so we would we made a deal with the local zoo and they had virtual reality capabilities. So while they're getting their chemo, they were, you know, checking out all their favorite animals at the zoo through, through uh, VR augmented intelligence capabilities as well. So there's all sorts of ways to enhance an experience. So that's what I would really be focused on. And again, I brought up human centered design as one component and to Bring in other people, not just your techie people, but bring in marketing. And if you do have experienced professionals and human-centered design process, all those sort of things. And of course, the patient. And Jared, I know you're a big advocate of that as well. And the, you know, again, the patient centricity, the patient point of view. Never do anything. I'm big into this. It's not the single answer, but I, I would never do anything big 
without patient's presence. In fact, when I was sharing the examples about building a digital strategy together in collaboration with your peers, I always had patients front and center in that process. So those are some areas that I think are ripe for innovation. Well, it sounds like we've got our, uh, our work cut out for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for sure. Yeah, it really is. It's fun. It's, it's, this is the thing that I see us talking about, ideating on, learning as we go, but for the next, this next phase of where healthcare is going from here. This isn't just a thing we're going to be talking about just today. It's something, I know it's something that's kind of, uh, it's in your DNA anyway, you know, this, this, it's a, it's something that has a lot to it. So we've got to start somewhere. We've got to acknowledge the work that has to be done. And then we, we need to have this community around us where we are learning to ask different questions you know, from the marketing side, the question has been, hey, how do I manage this one platform that does this one thing? Right. And now we need to be, how do we manage results that are coming from these 18 different platforms that are all tied together in this way? And, and we understand where the data goes and, and stuff like that. So as I think about, you know, kind of the, you just gave us a great example, and that might be the answer to this, but a, you know, a tactical call to action here, one tactical step a leader on either side, on the marketing side or the IT side can can take here. What would you tell people? Yes. Yeah, so I want to double down on my last answer based on something you said really quick. And that is the platform. So that's another opportunity for innovation. We had success with platforms in the past. ERP, you know, bringing together supply chain, finance, and HR like 15, 25 years ago. Who won, you know, is the platform. So, you, you know, your Oracles and your SAPs. I think we need to see the same now with CRM. And uh, EHRs, we saw that happen already 15 years ago, the platform ones wins. And then uh, virtual care needs the platform. So I think all the, those are some areas ripe for, for innovation. So what are some practical things to be agile? I think is going to serve everyone really well for the rest of their life. <laughs> you know, you can apply it to all of your life. Is the sense of agility, both as a practice and as a philosophy. So that is, hey, just go out and do stuff. So Jared, you can't wait for the perfect right enemy, what the perfect is the enemy of good or something like that. Or I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I think you understand the concept where we want to wait till something's perfectly baked and then we try it, then you'll never try it. So Agile is really about failing fast and putting things out there every two weeks, a minimally viable product. Uh, so I think adopting an agile mentality. So I literally trained my entire IT at the Cleveland Clinic, 1100 some plus FTE, and they all became agile certified and trained. And we completely changed our org structure and the way we worked. And that made a huge difference working with marketing and others is to become agile. And then the final thing is, and I'll go back to sort of where I started, Jared, and that is you just got to be humble and listen. So don't be, I think all of us have a level of arrogance. We just don't know about it. I know I do. I think I'm aware, but I know I probably have more arrogance than I'm aware of, but I, I'm smart enough to know that, Hey, I just need to talk to people and listen and spend time in their shoes. And so I, I also made all my teams, including myself, you know, spend full days with clinicians, uh, spend, you know, I volunteered with cancer patients to better understand what they were going through on a weekly basis. I, on a weekly basis, I, I served in the OR as an anesthesia tech in the early morning shifts to get a sense of what it's like to be a clinician. Cause I don't know to what it's like to be a patient. Cause well, unfortunately I do know, but at the time when I started, I didn't really know. And then again, going back to your peers and, and understanding 
marketing and understanding the ver various departments and divisions within your organization and just say, hey, help me learn. I, I, I've got some ideas, but they're probably not the best, but maybe together we can develop something pretty cool and really digitally disrupt our organization so that we can better take care of patients. Mic drop. I'm just going to say uh, that and that gives us our marching orders. I love it. It gives us a vision of where, where we should be going and how we can get started. And I, I, I love that. And before we go, Tell us about Digital Voices, about your podcast, how that's been going. Uh, what's what's that been like? Yeah, so we we passed the test of, I think, Jared, you shared it with me. I wasn't aware of that test, but we passed it. And that's only, to what, 25% of podcasts make it to this level. And that's 10 shows and over 1,000 downloads. And there was a third criteria. Oh, I think it was just at least one show in the last 60 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we check, check. And uh, so that made us feel good that we we're on the right track. Yeah, it's digital voices. And what's different, Jared? So we didn't want to be another podcast, you know, some CIO or chief digital officer. So what we decided was it was digital voices globally across all of the silos in healthcare. So it includes payers, providers, pharma, big tech, retail, and so it crosses the gamut of all those patients. And that's really the difference is because what happened in the past, and I don't know if it might be the same way in marketing, but in the past, the CIOs and providers, they all hung out together and they never really knew what was going on, on the payer side and pharma. And that's one of the reasons we're so far behind, I think, in healthcare is we've created silos and we don't cross over. That's why I love your show and talking about marketing, but not just all, just a bunch of CMOs, but you also have healthcare IT, a whole a catalog of other types of listeners. And that's what's going to help change the game is podcasts like that. So that's what Digital Voices is about. You can find us, you know, as your local podcast repository, uh, DGTL Voices. Fantastic. And uh, we're happy to say that you guys are part of the Shift.Health content network as well, where that's another place people can find it. And where can people pick up the book, Healthcare Digital Transformation? Yeah, healthcaredigitaltransformation.co. Dot com was taken. It was going to cost an inordinate amount of money. So it's .co, but you can find it on Amazon as well. But if you want a signed copy, go to healthcaredigitaltransformation.co. Thanks to Zane and Ed, and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, 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 this is so important. Would you go subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check them out at Shift.Health. They're all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.